Hi there, it's Julia Louis-Dreyfus. You may know me from my podcast called Wiser Than Me, where I talk to older women and get their wisdom from the front lines of life. I was amazed by how many people told me our show made them look forward to getting older, which is why I'm here to talk about season two of the show. Sally Field, Billie Jean King, Beverly Johnson, Ina Garten, Bonnie Ray, just to name a few. All hail old women. Wiser Than Me season two is out now from Lemonada Media. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. This is the John Fugelsang Podcast. I wanted to begin the show with something inspiring. Like, well, like Eleanor Roosevelt. She said, you gain strength, courage, and confidence by every experience in which you really stop to look fear in the face. You are able to say to yourself, I lived through this horror. I can take the next thing that comes along. That quote got me through today because we have to talk about some historical revisionism that's going on right now that that makes other historical revisionisms pale. I, I wanted to talk about all the good things that, you know, the White House has gotten done in the last, what, three months? I mean, they're arming Ukraine for freedom. The first black woman has been appointed a Supreme Court justice. COVID deaths are down 75%. They have another wave of free home tests. And as someone whose family has just gone through COVID, it was so great to be able to get these free tests, really easy to get them. The weekly job losses are the lowest in 50 years. The unemployment rate went down to 3.6%, and none of it seems to matter. The obituaries are all being written for the Democrats this fall. The Republicans' platform is rich people have had it rough for way too long, and uh, Donald Trump, uh, Donald Trump, and um, critical race theory bad. So <laughs> I, I want to talk about all the things going on right now, but I want to instead bring us to the past and show how current events aren't always current and show how things that happened hundreds of years ago are still impacting us today and how things that happened hundreds of years ago are still being used to sucker white people. The poor white or the middle class white working conservatives who intellectually are always being sent to the back of the bus. Um, today is the anniversary of the Three-Fifths Compromise, which declared black people less than human, so they wouldn't count fully for the census, which is something that apparently now modern conservatives think was a really good thing. <laughs> it happened in 1783, the first instance of black slaves in the USA being counted as three-fifths of a person for the purpose, you know, of taxation. That was in a resolution for the Congress of the Confederation, and of course, it was later adopted in the 1787 Constitution. The Three-Fifths Compromise said that enslaved humans were considered three-fifths of a person, so it would boost the population mainly in southern states, which tended to have smaller populations Otherwise, they would have had even fewer members of the House of Representatives. And, and one of the most contentious, ugly issues 
at our constitutional convention was on the state's population because the population determined how much representation they would have in Congress. And we still fight about this today between gerrymandering and redlining. But back in the 1780s, the, the sparsely populated states were terrified that the, over, the, the northern states will have way too much power in our federal legislature. And this whole fight led to the Connecticut Compromise. It led to the design of Congress where seats in the House of Representatives are given out relative to population size, and each state will have two seats in the Senate. But the southern states, well, they were terrified that the northern states, which had bigger populations, would just run roughshod over them in the legislative process. And they whined about it and whined about it. And eventually, uh, the north didn't want the south to take their ball and go home. So they all came up, north and south alike, with a murderous, disgusting, hideous scheme in which southern states could count their human property for the purpose of having greater representation in the House. And the compromise, again, allowed these states to count three-fifths of their slaves for the purposes of population size, meaning representation in Congress. Keep in mind, these slaves, they weren't allowed to vote. The slaves had no representation in Congress. They weren't even called slaves. The Constitution referred to them as other persons. This is the anniversary of the compromise that gave power to slaveholders by giving them greater political representation for people they considered less than human. It never mentioned black people. It just says three-fifths of the total number will be counted to whom are Indians and other purposes. It's very evil. It was built to give the slave states more political influence than they had relative to their voting population. The political power of the North would have run roughshod over it, right? I mean, that's what they're scared of now. This is the Electoral College argument. There's more of us than there are of them. If you ever look at the news and wonder how is it possible that 77% of Americans support abortion rights in all or some cases, and yet abortion rights are on the ropes, most of us think the rich should be taxed more. Why doesn't that happen? Most of us think that gay marriage is fine. Why is there still a controversy about it? Well, this compromise allowed the South, namely people who owned humans, to dominate our federal government and to dominate our presidency. And it led to what we call the slaveholding republic. It was, they called it slave power or slaveocracy. And that refers to the political power in the U.S. federal government that was held by slave owners in the 1840s and 1850s prior to the Civil War. It was a big political buzzword that I wish we still used. Frederick Douglass and other anti-slavery activists, they used this term to decry what they saw as the disproportionate power wielded by these wealthy Southerners who owned people. And the argument was this small group of rich white people who owned other humans, this minority had too much power this minority of powerful, human-owning white humans had seized political control of their own states, and they were trying to take over the federal government of the entire country, illegitimately, mainly because they wanted to expand their own power, which means they wanted to protect slavery. Again, the three-fifths clause got this whole ball rolling. It counted 100 slaves as 60 people for seats in the House and therefore for electoral votes. It gave the South... I'm going to say this again. It gave the South 
disproportionate representation on the national level. Now, the South had less than a third of the free population, and they had less than a third of the wealth. But of the first 16 presidents, 11 were from the South. 17 justices of the Supreme Court out of the first 28. 14 attorneys general out of the first 19. 61 presidents of the Senate out of 77. 21 speakers of the House of Representatives out of 33. 84 foreign ministers out of 134. You see where I'm going at this? The South had more power than they had people. The slaveocracy was a term Frederick Douglass used, and Horace Greeley used it, and John Quincy Adams used it, and Abraham Lincoln used the concept, but not the term. But it, it was widely used by the Republican Party. And again, this is important, the Republican Party was formed in 1854 to oppose the expansion of slavery, which brings us to today and the historical revisionism about slavery, or as I call it, uncritical of racist theory. We've heard this a lot with the Civil War, right? All the arguments right-wingers use to justify or put a soft coating on the barbaric rape, murder, and mutilation of humans that was slavery. Well, it was, it, it was states' rights. The, the, the war was for states' rights. That's the crown jewel in their kingdom of bullshit, states' rights. Or it was the war of northern aggression. Or, well, Lincoln was a Republican and Booth was a Democrat. So uh, the Democrats have always been the real racists. Or, well, the Confederate flag is heritage, not hate. <laughs> well, now, believe it or not, <laughs> they're actually making a claim that the Three-Fifths Compromise was originally written into the Constitution as one of the better ideas the framers had. And where does it come from? The Daily Wire. Yeah, Ben Shapiro's little nest of doughy mediocrity and vipers. I want you to hear Daily Wire CEO, co-CEO, Jeremy Boring as he hails the Three-Fifths Compromise as one of the better kinds of concepts the founders came up with. This is a clip of five white guys, including Jeremy and a couple of guys I know, Ben, who I've tangled with, and, and uh, Michael Knowles, who I've tangled with. Um, here's the clip. This is from this weekend. This is five white guys sitting around drinking and smoking cigarettes, talking about how great the Three-Fifths Compromise was, because really, it helped the slaves. Listen to this. I mean, John Stewart has been on this. Uh, oh. he, he just recently discovered critical race theory. And so he's on this white guilt tour. And he went on his show, which I didn't even know white existed. White guilt, until that's last what week, they do. He was talking about how the, the American dream is, it doesn't exist for black people. And his, and his proof of this was the three-fifths compromise. Like yeah, that, right. that's the, we have not improved since then. And, he, since, well, he and not only that, but he's wrong about the three-fifths compromise. Yeah, exactly. The three-fifths compromise is one of the better kind of concepts that the founders came up with. Here we go. To long-term in slavery in America. Oh. They, per they didn't say a black person is three-fifths of a human. They said, to end you know, slavery. it doesn't make sense, slave owners in the South, that you're going to count your unrepresented, unable to vote, and unable to function in everyday life slave population in your census for the purpose of representation in the Congress. Maybe you can't count them. And the South, particularly South Carolina, essentially said they wouldn't join the union if they didn't get to count them. And so mm -hmm. the, the compromise was they don't get to count all the way so that you don't get to use <laughs> an enslaved population, an enslaved population to get that uh, that's, a and that's an important point. It's true, but it's also like we should just be able to respond. Well, who, 
It makes that makes no difference right now. That has no bearing on modern America. But well, it, oh. is, it is against Not it is all. against this argument. Uh, the the whatever it is, sixteen nineteen thing that it, that America's DNA is racist because your DNA makes you more yourself, and we have gotten less and less and less. But the sixteen nineteen project, it's being what? taught in schools. It's being taught in schools all around the country, and I actually think this is why we're focused on the education issue. Okay, what you just heard was a gaggle of privileged white conservative males talking about how the Three-Fifths Compromise was a good thing, how benevolent the slavers were with the Three-Fifths Compromise. And, and it pretty much ends with this whole talking point of, well, we can't be racist now because we're not as racist as we used to be. I mean, they're, they're pushing the argument now, and this is all over conservative media and conservative social media, that the Three-Fifths Compromise helped end slavery. It ended slavery, folks. It only took the three-fifths compromise, plus 80 more years of slavery, working people to death and raping them and mutilating them and selling their relatives off, and then a full-scale civil war. <sighs> this was written in 1787, okay? Slavery didn't end until 1865, thanks to the non-slave states, which elected an anti-slavery liberal Republican, and the slave states seceded, and they lost a goddamn war. The northern states had abolished slavery by 1804, the three-fifths clause had nothing to do with it. The slavery apologists will come up with new excuses every year, and they'll call white empathy white guilt. See, using the enslaved population to gain votes is exactly what happened. Okay, in spite of what Mr. Boring was saying there, the three-fifths compromise did not long-term help end slavery here in the U.S., it was just a way of hitting the snooze alarm for another seven decades before it took a fucking war to end slavery. And by the way, who was it a compromise for? The slaves? How, how, how exactly did people in bondage benefit from this compromise? Well, it was only another 80 years. I mean, that, that was it. That was acceptable. And you'll hear this all the time. They'll say, oh, well, you know, slavery would have ended eventually, which is their way of saying more years of humans being raped and mutilated and worked to death is acceptable to them. This is revisionist history. Oh, yeah. The three-fifths compromise. That, that's what killed slavery. Otherwise, my God, thank God, we would, have, we would have had to go to war to get rid of it. Dennis Prager pushes this all the time as well. You know, the slaves weren't the ones getting three-fifths representation. The slaves had zero representation, no matter what the compromise was. It was the Southern white people, the powerful, wealthy Southern whites, who had representation under this compromise. The powerful, wealthy Southern whites who sent the poor, hard-working Southern whites to go fight their battles for them. Because don't forget, if you owned more than 20 pieces of humans in the Civil War, you got the 20-slave exemption. And to this day, you'll see it. Millionaires at birth. Millionaires at birth. Like Bush and Bush and Romney and Trump, who send out the hard-working suckers of white America to fight their battles for them. No, no, no. The slaves did not benefit from the compromise. They were property. And this was Congress getting rigged by their masters. The three-fifths compromise enhanced slavery. It kept slavery going longer, and it cemented the power of slaveholders in our government. There was never any chance that slaves were going to be counted fully. It wasn't designed to free enslave people at all. It didn't help free enslaved people. The war did that. It was designed to maintain power. And by the way, the white Southerners that those assholes are praising, they would never have gone for it if they thought it would end slavery. It didn't end slavery. It gave them a stranglehold on government in this country at the federal level through 1860. 
And then several hundred thousand Americans had to die to end it. And that's what it was about. The slave owners got to get a few decades more profit from barbaric ownership of humans while also uh, pretending that, you know, we're, we have the moral high ground. We don't really like this. <laughs> so I thought of this because I saw an article at the Iowa Starting Line, which is a political site, that said why more students are walking out at Iowa schools. And it turns out, in light of all these recent bills in the Iowa legislature, like uh, vouchers for private schools or restricting what teachers are allowed to say in class, a lot of students in Iowa are getting fed up and they're walking out. In Johnston, Iowa, uh, last Friday, a group of 100 students walked out of class and they stood on school grounds. to. These are high school kids talking about these bills and how these bills that are being passed on the state level are impacting teachers and students in Iowa and how they're forcing teachers to self-censor. And that's what it's all about. That's what banning critical race theory, which isn't even taught, is about. That's what the Don't Say Gay bill is about. It's not about banning anything. It's about terrifying teachers. And students have been walking out of public and private high schools in Ames, West Des Moines, Des Moines, uh, all organized by student groups. They've held walkouts in Iowa City, Cedar Rapids, and Waterloo. And they're calling out uh, House File 2577, which requires teachers to post every single piece of classroom material online, and House File 802. And that's a state law you're going to hear a lot more about that prohibits so-called divisive concepts from being taught in school. It's essentially an educational gag owner. Uh, one, one student said a history lesson she had about the three-fifths compromise in the Constitution left most of the class confused because the teacher was never quite able to explain why it existed. This law prohibited teachers from teaching divisive concepts, and it targets ideas like teaching systemic racism or sexism or homophobia things that shaped the country, things that shape how we're interacting now. So where are kids going to learn about it? Right-wing media? The Daily Wire? The Three-Fifths Compromise was a compromise the North made with the South so they wouldn't abandon the Union. And these people right now are bending over backwards to justify and whitewash torture and rape and dehumanization and oppression. Okay, (laughs) it wasn't anti-slavery if slavery existed for another 80 years. It was designed to cement the power of slave states so slavery couldn't be abolished. It was leverage to get another 80-plus years of slavery. And then the Civil War was leverage to get the 13th Amendment passed and the 14th and 15th too. You're going to hear a lot more about this, and it's the newest in their revisionist history. So never let your right-wing loved one or coworker or douchebag friend on Facebook tell you The Three-Fifths Compromise was anything more than a concession to stop southern states from using their entire population to inflate their numbers. If you'd had enslaved people count as zero, not three-fifths towards representation, that would have ended slavery sooner because it would have taken power away from the slave owners. That's the irony of it. If you'd counted the enslaved humans as zero, that would have helped them more. Three-fifths allowed it to be perpetuated. Remember, guys, the only thing that would have been anti-slavery at the time of our Constitution would have been ending slavery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. 
find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. This episode is brought to you by Philo. Do you love TV? Do you love saving money? Then Philo is your solution. Philo has shows, movies, and live TV for just $25 a month. You can even try it for free with their seven-day free trial. No contracts, no commitments, no hassles, just a better way to watch TV. Never miss a minute of shows like the hit docuseries Where is Wendy Williams or classics such as Friends. If you can't get enough TV, then there's no better way to watch. Philo has more than 70 channels like BET, MTV, and AMC. And the best part? You can try it yourself with their seven-day free trial. Sign up today at philo.tv slash poppods. That's P-H-I-L-O dot TV slash P-O-P-P-O-D-S to get 50% off your first month. Welcome back. And hello to everyone listening to us in podcast form or on demand or on the app. But you guys listening live, come on. I love you the most. You know that. I'm John Fugel saying, I'm so excited to welcome our next guest. Allow me to quote our next guest. President Biden must use the power of his pen and the bullhorn of his bully pulpit to at least buy some time to fight against the forces determined to upend American democracy. Democrats can begin with one powerful move to shift the playing field, and that's to go after Trump and all the architects of the insurrection. The myriad of anti-abortion and anti-trans bills running amok through GOP-led state, led, state legislatures are designed to make us believe losing is inevitable in November. But Democrats can choose to operate from a place of fear, or they can take advantage of the powerful advantages they already hold. The evidence is on our side. The public is on our side. We can fight back, and we must. I don't know if I want to interview her or vote for her, but Danielle Moody is a great entrepreneur and policy analyst with more than a decade of experience from the classroom to Capitol Hill. She co-hosts a podcast you all should listen to, Democracy-ish, which fights for democracy uh, and preserving sanity with our friend Wajahan Ali. She also hosts the daily podcast, Woke AF. You can get those pods anywhere. It is a great pleasure to welcome Danielle Moody back to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. Thank you. Thanks for being had. Uh, Before we even go any deeper, let me ask, it's been a while since I've seen you. How are you? How's your family? How are you doing during this insane, scary period? Oh, my goodness. It has been a wild 20 years. Just kidding. It's only (laughs) been two. Um, But it's been an insane time. My family is well, thank God. Um, But like everyone else, just trying to keep my mental health intact. Um, and, you know, continue to think that our democracy isn't just over, John. <laughs> I know. Like, Yeah. I, I, I've been saying on the show all the time, Danielle, I, I, I live in fear that it's going to take this Supreme Court gutting Roe v. Wade to wake the American people up. But I, I'm not even sure if that's going to help. We're now seven months away until the elections. And from everything you read, it seems like these Democrats are just walking into the slaughterhouse and the obituaries are already written. You know, it's really disturbing to me because we don't have to be here. You know, when we look at the last several years under Trump, you know, dealing with COVID, I mean, you you go all the way back to the Mueller report. I mean, we know that we were handed a criminal enterprise on a silver platter, but we're also dealing with a party that doesn't have the kind of warrior spirit and fight that is necessary to battle people in the gr- on the grounds where they are, right? Like yes. we keep wanting to appeal 
to Republicans or appeal to these people with statistics and facts, and they've created their own. They've created their own universe. So how are we trying to penetrate this impenetrable group? Instead, we should be focusing on the people that came out in a pandemic, yeah. right? Before vaccines, remember that, before vaccines, when we were still, you know, six feet apart and wearing, you know, two and three masks and not really knowing a lot about COVID, we went out in mass numbers. And That's this right. is where we are. I, I keep saying, you know, there are some Democrats, Danielle, that, that are really out there fighting. There are some Democrats who are t- articulate and speak from the heart and from the gut and are laying it out, making it plain. I'm not seeing them get booked very many places. It just sort right. of seems like the media is chasing the clicks and the clicks right now are they miss their Trump. They miss their Trump ratings and they want to do this. But I mean, I'm looking at Robert Mueller delivering 10 counts of Donald Trump committing obstruction of justice mm-hmm. and the Democrats just letting it sit there on the floor and do nothing about it. I'm looking at the fact that the majority of Americans, 77 percent, support abortion rights in all or some cases. And yet we're just sitting here watching those rights be taken away. And what I love about your piece in The Daily Beast is um, you really say that it's the January 6th Select House Committee. That is carrying the big stick and that could be the one to light the torch to inspire everybody. You know, and the reason I say that is a couple of things. I want us to think back to Benghazi and the spectacle, the circus that the Republican Party turned that into. And you know what they had to do? They had to make up a story. They had to make up a series of stories and lie. The thing that Democrats actually have going for us is the narrative. It's the truth. We just have to figure out the way to package it. So I continue to say right now, according to, you know, my friends that I have on Woke AF and other shows, like they say this one six commission has done over 900 interviews. They have thousands of documentation enough that we are at a place where it is a toss up of whether or not they're going to recommend criminal charges to the Department of Justice based on the evidence that they have found. Exactly. So tell me why we can't package this, John, into prime time viewing, right? Why we can't figure out the way to cut this into TikTok shorts. The fact that we can't, we're not using the media that we have in front of us to be able to tell the tale to the American people about how your democracy is being stolen in front of you. That this man that the Republicans have turned into a deity is nothing more than a used car salesman. How are we not able to do this? And instead, we again wanna go against people that have invented their own facts, created their own universe where Donald Trump is still president, and we wanna come to them with statistics and facts and bullet points. They don't believe science. They don't believe truth. So. What else can we do but tell a good story? Because that's what captivates the American people. So I'm waiting for the series of primetime specials that are these he- public hearings. Yes. Why haven't we had also the 1-6 Commission, even though they're the ones doing the heavy lifting? I would like some heavy lifting from maybe the Senate Judiciary as well to investigate Ginny Thomas. And Thank her you. slew of text messages to Mark Meadows and whether or not we have a compromised Supreme Court justice who is going to put the nail in the coffin for Roe v. Wade. Wouldn't that be something that the American people would like to know before yeah. he makes one of the decisions that turn the clock back 50 years? I mean, 
the committee is bipartisan, no matter how much Republicans hate to admit it. It is a bipartisan committee. We know from the binders full of smoking guns that Mark Meadows turned <laughs> over how many people were in on this corruption. We know that Mike Lee was pushing the lie for them, the senator of Utah, pushing the lie and begging them to say, please give us some ammo, meaning give me some truth. Give me mm-hmm. some facts I can use to help push the lie. They've had one indictment so far for Steve Bannon, and that's not even going to go before a judge until July. And, and as you put in your piece... The committee is close to declaring itself obsolete. When the committee began, the cynical part of me thought, well, this is all just for politics, and they're just doing this to keep January 6th on the front burner, so we'll all be mad at it, and it'll help them come come, come Election Day 2022. That's what I thought cynically. Now, I wish they'd even do that, Danielle. I mean, Mike Lee was not mentioned on any of the Sunday morning talk shows, and we have him there trying to overthrow government trying to throw out democracy and it didn't rate a mention on any of the sunday morning shows how about donald trump jr as well to um text mark meadows to say we own all the paths to power how about that becoming a blip in you know the papers on in a15 not a1 not above the fold but we're still talking about Hunter Biden's laptop as if That's that right. is the big story. I, I think that there is a failure right now. You said it at the top that this is about media chasing clicks and chasing what they believe sells, which is let me do a, a, a multiple series on why the Trump voter is the way that they are. Let me delve right. into the psychology and the minds. And what I want to know is that when de- when when Democrats lose, does anybody ever want to delve into our minds and our hearts and talk about oh, sure. our issues and get and get to the center there? No, but oh, somehow sure. we always Remember- find. Remember the Wall Street Journal did all those 19-part series on what Hillary voters were really thinking and what was their economic anxiety? No, no one wants it They because the media is not liberal. The media's bias is towards profit. It's towards eyeballs. It's towards clicks. The media has a bias. It's towards satisfying their shareholders. Journalists call out those in power. Journalists speak truth to power. Journalists try to bring the truth to the American people. That's not the media's job. The media's job is where's the story? And if Hunter Biden's laptop gets the clicks more than Mike Lee, then that's what the American people are going to know about. So what can this White House do? As you point out, if Democrats fail to utilize the next seven months with the urgency that these perilous times demand, what should this White House and Democrats in the House and Senate who care, (laughs) not just want to keep their jobs, but who care, what should they be doing? What should they be talking about? I mean, here's, you know, the the easy things that I said in my piece, just like basic lifts are, you know, if we're looking at the poll numbers and we're seeing where uh, youth in America is right now, and I'm talking about, you know, higher education age, they're swimming and drowning in debt. Joe yeah. Biden talked to them about canceling student loan debt. You want to get those young people back on your side as they're trying to figure out what kind of jobs that they're going to go into as they're still existing in a pandemic, as we are seeing the fact that, you know, inflation is through the roof. Everything is more expensive. These young people were already living at home, already, you know, not getting apartments, not doing the traditional things, because guess what? They can't afford it. So how about instead of us just continuing to pause student loan debt, we cancel it. Right. How about like we do these low we do these low lifts. And how do I say do it? Do it through an executive order. Folks will say, well, Danielle, 
We do it through an executive order. The next president in the next election, it goes away. Okay, but you will have relieved that debt for what? Two plus years? Yes. Right? Two plus years for people that are struggling. We don't think that that's a win. And you'll have drawn the contrast. You'll have shown people. I want to quote you a tweet from a young man named Terry Watkins. Uh, He went to Marquette. He's African-American. He tweeted earlier today, and I retweeted it. He wrote, I am 28 years old. As of today, I owe $24,000 in student loans. Haven't paid a penny on it in like two years. That's directly because Biden is president. The other side wants to ban black history, restrict my vote, and destroy marriage equality. I mean, he nailed it. And I think that, yeah, that's a great, that's, that's something that Joe Biden could do that wouldn't necessarily guarantee that Democrats keep the House and Senate. But it would, once again, show... Uh, that they're trying to help, that they are trying to fight for them. I think showing up and saying mansion and cinema ate my homework is not going to fly with the voters. And that's the thing, John, is that people want to see Democrats in power trying. I do not. And this is why I say also, I believe sometimes that Democrats are comfortable losing. I believe that for them, the being in the minority is actually the place that they're comfortable in. Because at the end of the day, what do they get to do? Wag their fingers and try and shame people that are shameless, that have shown you that they have no morals. What we need now are fighters. I don't care. Everybody says, well, the Department of Justice isn't going to indict a former president easily. Well, if you're not going to indict Trump, then we should never indict anyone. You're right. Right. Like if you're not going to go after someone that we have more than enough evidence across a legion of things that this man has done, that everyone around him has done. If this is not what you're going to go to the hill, to the mountaintop for to fight, then you might as well just not. And for other folks that say, well, the Department of Justice doesn't work on a political timeline. Well, then I guess that Merrick Garland doesn't actually want to work. Because once Republicans take once they take back the gavel, what do we think is going to happen with the Department of Justice? Merrick Garland is going to be pulled in front of every Republican uh, BS like uh, commission that they're going to put together to try and take this administration down. So when are you going to have the time and the bandwidth to be able to concentrate on what actually needs to happen? Because they're going to look for the most frivolous things. Right. To bring baseless claims and then say that Merrick Garland is a politicized Department of Justice. Meanwhile, you had William Barr acting like Donald Trump's personal attorney for, you know, for 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 two and a half years. My God, I have missed talking to you so much. You have no idea. (laughs) I have missed talking to you. And you're exactly right. You mentioned Benghazi. What was Benghazi? But the crude, cynical exploitation of four tragically murdered Americans for crass Mm. political gain. First, they blame Susan Rice. Then they blame Barack Obama. Then they blamed Hillary Clinton. I never heard a Republican blame the terrorists. And to this day, when a Republican pulls Benghazi on me, I tell them, I don't think you care about those four men. And they say, yes, I do. And I say, name two of them. Give me their Mm. names. They didn't matter. They were just there to be used the way 13 troops tragically killed in the Afghanistan withdrawal are, are just casually tossed about for cheap political points. Now, you write, would the president, and again, I want to see Joe Biden fight. I want to see Joe Biden yes. grab Mitch McConnell and scream, does Joe Biden need to smack a bitch? I want to see it. <laughs> you write, would the president face opposition and the chiding of playing politics? Of course. But the reality is Republicans are going to throw everything at Democrats in order to seize power. So working from a place of what ifs does nothing for us. It's brilliant, Danielle. It reminds me of Buttigieg in the debates when they said, aren't you afraid of being called socialist? And Buttigieg said, they're going to call us socialist anyway. So let's just fight for the American people. It's we need to start. This is what I remember as a young kid 
you know, running cross country in high school. My coach used to say, you can't lead from the back, right? If I've made you a leader of this team, then you need to be out front. You need to be a model. Democrats are leading from the back right now, right? Shouting down a Republican party that cannot be shamed, that have shown you just how far down they go. You say you would like to see Joe Biden grab Mitch McConnell and like say, you know, want to smack a bitch. He referred to Mitch McConnell as a moral upstanding man. Do we not? This is the same man that held a Supreme Court seat hostage and why you have Brett Kavanaugh and Amy Coney Barrett on the Supreme Court. Right. So we're in this predicament because Democrats didn't want to fight. I ask myself every day, what would it have looked like if when Mitch McConnell decided to hold that seat hostage, that the Obama administration had gone to the courts to battle for their constitutional right as an executive to take that seat? You make me kiss my Zoom screen, Danielle. Thank you. Exactly right. I mean, and again, Mitch McConnell made sure that the only president who was not even allowed an up or down vote on his duly appointed Supreme Court nominee was the only black guy. He's the Mm -hmm. only one who didn't get to do it. Now, and you say in this piece, and again, I love this piece you wrote, how, how, yes, Biden needs to forgive student loan debt. And yes, they'll sue and it'll be in the courts, but go ahead and do it. Show who you're fighting for. But what about the issue of abortion? You suggest that the Biden administration could rely on the FDA to provide access to Medicaid abortions, which has some precedent. That is one of the smartest ideas I've heard no one talk about. They can start fighting for the American people right now. And I'll tell you, liberals are just like conservatives. They want to see someone who they believe is fighting for them. Yes. And this is the thing. There are smarter people that are at these grassroots organizations that are literally turning themselves into political contortionists to try and figure out the best ways to work through the onslaught of bills that Republicans are putting out all the way up and down state legislatures. There is opportunity here for us to be able to think creatively. We cannot continue to tell the American people, we need your vote, and then we vote for you in a pandemic, and then you turn around and you say it wasn't enough. Because that's what Democrats are basically saying in midterms. Everything that you did for us in 2020, on top of dealing with your mental, emotional, and economic stress, and you went out there and you did what needed to be done, right? And then we come back and say, oh, it wasn't enough. It wasn't. So so what is going to be enough? Yeah. Well, my final question to you is this, Ms. Moody, and it's so great to have you back. I'm going to harass you to come back more. Yay. Um, You know, yes, we know what our politicians need to do. But what about the folks who are listening to us live or on a podcast or on demand? I mean, what can the average person who's listening and say, yes, God bless John Kerry, but I'm tired of these Democratic human punching bags. I always say all the time the Democratic Party is like one of those S&M slaves who forgot his safe word and just keeps getting pummeled and pummeled and pummeled. What's what can ordinary people do? to hold their leaders feet to the fire because we know the people have to lead before the leaders follow. So what can the people who care do to light a fire under their so-called leaders? So this is a couple of things, and this has nothing to do with voting for said representative. I want people to start running for school board. I want everybody that is listening to your show to be thinking about who's on their school board Boards, whether or not you have kids or not, they are the ones that are shaping the curriculum that are that is perpetuating white supremacy and patriarchy and hatred in this country. When we are not able to view the world through a lens that is outside of white, cisgender, straight white men, we we cease to be the global citizens and the country that we can be. So for those people, you see what Steve Bannon said on his podcast many months ago. 
We're going village by village. That's what he told his listeners. What does that mean? They are going for the low hanging fruit. They are running for school board. They are running for mosquito board. They are running for all of these offices that Democrats don't pay attention to because we only focus at the national level. And by the time that we recognize that nothing is going to be happening at the national level, they will have secured the townships, they will have secured the school boards, the city councils, the state legislatures. So folks, here's the thing. If you are waiting for somebody to save you, recognize that you can look in the mirror and see what can I do. And what you can do is either decide to run yourself, fund other people. You're talking about abortion. Abortion is an important issue for you. Fund your grassroots abortion clinics, not necessarily the big national brands, but the ones that are actually meeting with people Every single day. They need your resources because they're not going to be able to get federal ones. There's a lot to do. Danielle Moody, you are amazing. What's the best way for our listeners to follow your work? Please head to Twitter at D2Cents is my handle. Also on Instagram and newly on TikTok at Danielle Moody underscore. Thank you so much. Please, please come back and see us again very soon. I will, John. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Amento in California, thank you for your patience forever and ever on hold. Hi. Amento. Hello. Hello. Hi. Hey, Hi, hey, thank you. you. I'm here. I'm great. Thank oh, you so yeah. much. Oh, okay. Good. Uh, so listen, uh, I remember the first time I called you, you know, I, I tell you why I called. I called for something, for something else, but, but since you're talking about critical race theory, I remember the first time I called you, you were talking about uh, racism, and I was... And I said that uh, they could they could get rid of racism if they wanted to. They just would uh, teach the truth about history. Yeah. And, but they're not going to never do that because nope. that's not the intention to get rid of racism. Yeah. But uh, the reason I call because well, the people who benefit from racism are the ones who can't see it, right? Well, I mean, you know, I, I, a lot of people can't see it because because they don't, uh, you know, they. They, they they just listen to what they what they've been taught or what they've been told. Yeah, yeah. So, so that's the whole thing. So so people you know people don't understand history because they don't talk about it. You know they they are just made up history and made up details. You know otherwise there wouldn't be any racism. Mm-hmm. You know. Yep. But because uh, because you know I mean I mean racism means uh, what that one group is is superior to the other group. You know. Well, that's that's bigotry. I mean, racism, I think, more is, is a, a system. You know, racism is a, sim- a, well, a system based on fear and lies. 
at, that that uh, yeah, but, that keep but, people but, down institutionally. I think bigotry is when you believe that someone's inferior. But I get what you're saying. Okay, 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 okay. Well, uh, all right. Well, I'm not going to get off into that. Uh, yeah, I'm with you. You're, you're right. Are you still, are you still talking about Putin or yeah. not? Okay. You're talking about something different now. I mean, so, no, you you cover a lot of you cover a lot of stuff in a short amount of time, so I'm just trying to keep up. Okay, uh, well, what do you want to do? What do you want to talk about? <laughs> you want to talk about Ukraine okay, well, or Putin? Well, well, yeah, you know, I mean, I mean, uh, you, you, you know, what, what what's the options? I mean, you know, you can kind of you kind of see where all this is going. You know, people say, oh, it's not going to go to war, but you know, it's it's going to war. It's going to be a war. Because, what do you mean? Uh, a war? But what do you mean by war? Uh, you mean we're gonna we're gonna declare well, war against Russia? Well, I mean, eventually it's going to be a war. You know, I mean, it's going to be World War Three. You know. Well, I mean, hang on, I, hang on, know, hang on, hang on. You're, are you saying that eventually we're going to have a formal declaration of war against Russia? Against Russia, China, Turkey, uh, North Korea. You know. Most I people mean, in uh, the world don't want that to happen, so I'm hoping it's not going to uh, happen, and I think we can prevent it uh, if we decide to. Well, yeah. I mean, well, we could have prevented the whole Ukraine thing. You know, I mean, I think if they'd have just Stayed neutral, but I mean, if who'd I mean, stayed neutral? Uh, well, if who had stayed neutral? Well, I mean, if Ukraine, Ukraine should have just stayed neutral. They could have avoided the whole situation. What does "stay neutral" mean? They they should have done nothing when they got invaded. Uh, 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 well, well, no, I'm talking about way before that. You know, I mean, they 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 should have just said that uh, they're not going to join NATO. They haven't joined NATO. Stay, uh, I know, but 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 they've been trying to join NATO, and and, and Russia's been trying and, to take over. Well, their best shot at but, not but, being murdered and raped and pillaged and destroyed is joining NATO. We haven't let them do it yet. They haven't joined, well, when did that, and now when, Russia's invaded. When did that start? When, when did that start? I, I they mean, made a I deal. Mean, they made a deal thirty now, years ago to make sure they'd never be invaded. And Russia has been going after them since what, twenty fourteen? Right. Okay. Isn't that, isn't that when we uh, didn't didn't we didn't we now? It could be another country I'm thinking about, but I'm thinking this Ukraine is the country that that uh, staged the coup and 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 and, and, and inserted uh, Zelensky. No, 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 quite the opposite. Quite the opposite. No, the the guy that was inserted, they staged a coup against him, and Zelensky was democratically elected by the people. The guy, the Russian puppet, was thrown out. Zelensky was democratically elected. Well, I don't know. Agree There's Google. It'll, it'll back me up. I can promise you. You can go yeah. research it. <laughs> but, yeah. Okay, okay. Okay, well, uh, okay, so now, but, but now the war started. Uh, I, mean, I mean, I could be mistaken, but I don't think I am. Uh, didn't didn't, didn't uh, Putin ask for Ukraine to remain neutral and not join NATO? Putin does not want NATO. Putin does not want Ukraine to join NATO because Putin wants Ukraine. Putin thinks that NATO that that Ukraine belongs to Russia, even though they hang on. Even though thirty years ago they made a deal, Ukraine had the third highest amount of nukes in all of Europe, and they made a deal with Russia where they would give Russia all their nukes, and Russia promised uh to respect their borders and never invade. Okay, and Putin okay, wasn't there for that deal, and Putin doesn't like that deal, so Putin's violated that deal. But you're thinking of Yanukovych, who was the puppet that Putin had installed. Okay, but but, but what did what did uh, what did NATO promise in return? 
NATO the, promises that it will res- it will protect its allies, no, and no, an invasion against one is an invasion no, against no, all. No, I'm, I'm talking about when they made the deal to uh, they made the deal to uh, uh, pull the nukes out of Ukraine. That was a Ukraine Russia deal. It wasn't a Ukraine. It wasn't a NATO deal. It was a Ukraine Russia deal. Okay, because I thought that uh, I thought, when the I thought Soviet that Union when the Soviet thought, Union ended. <laughs> the Soviet Union ended, and then Ukraine was like, uh, hey, guys, you left all your nukes here. And then Russia was like, hey, listen, can we have those? I mean, you're not going to use them, right? Why don't you send those over here? Uh, and I promise we'll uh, let you be a sovereign nation. And then Ukraine was like, yeah, sure, makes sense. And then that was that was the agreement. Right. The whole deal was when Yanukovych was president, they offered him to join the EU, and he said no, because who's your Vladdy? He was very close to Putin. He was Putin's boy. And he's the guy that Putin is trying to reinstall as a puppet once they get rid of the democratically elected Zelensky. Okay, well, okay, well... well, And by the way, Yanukovych fled to Russia. Amentho, I just don't understand why you're doing all these backbends. To, to avoid acknowledging that, yeah. that this is a, a Russian war of aggression. Well, uh, I mean, it, it just seems like NATO is, is encroaching on Russia. How, know, is that mean, in th- how, how is NATO encroaching on Russia? By protecting each other from Russia, how are they encroaching on Russia? Well, I mean, I mean uh, that, that's, that's, to me, it's just like... If, they're all doing uh, business with Russia. They're all importing Russian oil. They're, they're, business is flowing. You know, this is the Putin argument that NATO is encroaching on his space. NATO is protecting smaller nations from being invaded. And Putin's furious now that Finland and Sweden might join NATO. Well, okay, but, but I just heard that, that Putin, his main demand was for uh, Ukraine to just remain neutral. All right. So uh, all that aside, let's let's can I just I need to get what Putin wants is to invade Ukraine and have them like him. And that's not going to happen. He's just going to kill. I don't understand what I. So Uh, let's just uh let's just assume, Amento, let's just assume Uh that that you're right, that uh, uh, there is an agreement and it's about NATO. Why did Mm -hmm. Russia invade the Donbass and annex Crimea? Why did they do that in 2014? Why did they do that? Well, I mean, it just seems like they didn't Why did want they say they did that? To 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 to, uh, to join NATO. No, you know, they, they, they want them, no. They want them to be neutral. No, no, that's they not what. They, so they no. so they took part mm-hmm. of Ukraine. They invaded it and said, "This is ours now," because as what to, has nothing to do with NATO. They did it because they said that there were people in those areas that wished that they were Russian because it was they were they were historically. And uh, uh, culturally and ethnically Russian, and they deserve to be reunited with their Russian state. That's why they did it. it had nothing to do with NATO. Yeah, well, this NATO they're ethnically Russian. And by the way, that's the same argument Hitler used. That's the same argument Hitler used to next to Sudetenland that they were ethnically German. There's, there's no hold on about it. This so, is what, so, this is what so they say. What about they the say. denazification? What's up? What's up with the denazification? Exactly. Well, what's up with what's it? Up Go with ask it? them. It's bullshit. Yeah, all these Nazis elected a Jewish president. It sounds like bullshit to me. Well, I mean, I mean, I don't know that that's that's you know like the the determining you know the determining. They're going in to take out all the Nazis because there's all these Nazis who elected a Jew president. Well, 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 we know that they, they do have a bunch of Nazis in their in their militia over there. We know that for a fact. Hey, okay. Have you looked at Have you looked at the us lately? We got Nazis over here. Can Russia invade America? No. 
We got well, Nazis here. How about Russia invades yeah, our country yeah. to take care of those Nazis? Well, well, well but we're not on their border. Are they afraid that? Are are you saying that Russia is afraid that Ukraine's Nazis are going to invade? Hitler couldn't take over Russia, and he tried it with a much bigger army. Okay, no, I'm thinking, I'm thinking NATO. I'm thinking NATO. You know, because I mean, like because NATO is all about the Nazis, right? Well, I'm just saying, you know, NATO always talk about peace, but they don't never do nothing peaceful. What are they ever doing peaceful? You know, I mean, where was they? Well, the, NATO's not about NATO's about protecting the allies I from just, aggression from Russia. I just don't understand why you're doing all this reaching and soul searching. Okay, well, yeah, it, it seems like how much Ukraine. Tucker Carlson have you been consuming in the last couple makes, of weeks? It makes no sense to me, uh, Matt. Though it makes no sense. I don't watch Tucker Carlson. I really don't really watch TV. But, okay, uh, good for you. Okay, I so, can now, tell. So, so now, so now, uh. Okay, okay, just, just one more thing. And then let okay, you really quick, we got to take a break. Ronda's waiting. Oh, okay, okay. Okay, so, so now why, how do they say that, that Gaddafi was a dictator when, when everybody in his country was getting a check from, from the oil and free college, free medical, uh, he, he paid, paid half of your car note, uh, uh, $50,000 really? for, newly, $50, for newlyweds. We're, we're, we're on to the Gaddafi defense, really? House. What's that? We're on to the Gaddafi defense. Well, I'm just saying, you know, they they, they make him out like he like he did something. I'm trying to figure out what was it that he did. That well, they, for one, he was not he 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 led a he led a a, a coup against the king and took over. Uh, he was a brutal ruler, and at the time he died, uh, he was waging war on his own people, slaughtering them. So those that's the short version of it. He also financed terror and killed a lot of people. Um, not a good guy. And the way he died was horrible. He did not deserve to die that way. No one deserves to die the way he did. But he was not a good hombre. And you know this. Well, Come on. I, well, I mean, I, I don't, you know. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Let's, let's. I mean, okay, okay. Okay, you know, well, dictators uh, Dictators mean, are not good guys. Let's agree on that one. We got a gun. I'm sorry, Amento. I've enjoyed this. And I apologize for Chris making that joke about the fresh maker. 